It's Thursday, June the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Bolton's book damns and Modi breaks his silence. First, the world in brief. Damning details from a forthcoming book by John Bolton came into view. Donald Trump's former national security adviser writes that the sitting president solicited Xi Jinping for China's help in securing re-election this year, doled out favours to his favourite dictators, and generally practised obstruction of justice as a way of life. The administration stepped up its legal efforts to prevent publication, asking a federal judge for an immediate injunction, even as the first reviews run and hardbound copies ship to bookstores. Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister, said the deaths of more than 20 Indian soldiers killed by Chinese forces at a disputed boundary between the two countries would not be in vain. He acknowledged the losses nearly three days after Indian and Chinese forces tore into each other with clubs and stones along a Himalayan gorge. Indian government ministries were reported to be cancelling commercial contracts with Chinese firms. South Korea's reunification minister Kim Yong-chul offered to resign in the wake of rising tensions with North Korea. On Monday, North Korea blew up a liaison office intended to improve ties between the two countries. The North has been angered by propaganda campaigns mounted against it by activists based in South Korea. Facebook will let users block political ads in the run-up to November's American elections, its boss Mark Zuckerberg said. The platform will also encourage people to register to vote and give them information on how to do so. Facebook's laissez-faire policies have often been criticised. Twitter, a rival, has banned political ads and flagged tweets by Donald Trump as inaccurate. HSBC will revive part of a restructuring plan that includes axing 35,000 jobs. Europe's biggest bank postponed the cuts because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but its profits have since worsened and it forecasts more economic turbulence ahead. The bank will also extend a freeze on nearly all external hiring. Republicans in America's Senate unveiled a police reform bill package which would discourage chokeholds, make lynching a federal hate crime, and improve the sharing of disciplinary information. House Democrats have presented a further-reaching bill which includes an end to qualified immunity for police officers. Meanwhile, the officer who shot Rayshard Brooks in an Atlanta car park on June 12th was charged with murder. And PepsiCo said it would retire the Aunt Jemima brand of breakfast products, most famous for pancake mix and syrup. The brand dates to the late 19th century and was long represented by a stereotypical image of a black woman cook, though it had been modernised in recent decades. Brands like Uncle Ben's and Mrs Butterworth's are next up for reconsideration. And now, here's today's agenda. Macron in London, the ghost of de Gaulle. For his first foreign trip since France went into lockdown, President Emmanuel Macron will head to London today, where he will be welcomed by Prince Charles. The official purpose is to mark the 80th anniversary of Charles de Gaulle's appeal from London, a BBC broadcast in which the general urged the French to resist Nazi occupation, as well as to award the British capital the Légion d'honneur. But Mr Macron will also squeeze in a meeting with Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, at a time of tension over unresolved Brexit negotiations. 
The French president was keen to keep this trip in the diary, even though Britain is still largely under lockdown and had to exempt him from its 14-day quarantine rule. Mr Macron hopes the visit will remind the French of the resistance spirit embodied by de Gaulle, even if historical figures, Le Général included, have recently become objects of conflict rather than conciliation. Entering the 21st century in 2020. Digitizing shipping. Of all the world's industries, shipping is surely among its most technophobic. A Boeing 787 airliner produces about 500 times as much data per day as the biggest container ships. Most sea cargo travels with paper bills of lading rather than e-tickets. Some shipping firms still deal with customers mainly by fax. Today, however, Maersk Tankers will announce plans to spin off its data analytics department into a separate division, which it believes could help speed up digitization and make the industry greener. Zero North will crunch data for ship operators to maximize performance while minimizing fuel consumption and emissions. Soren Meyer, its chief executive, said that if the world's 33,000 tramp freighters adopt its technology, the industry could prevent 50 million tons of carbon dioxide emissions and increase revenues by $12 billion over the next five years. Zero North wants a slice of that, while showing that shipping can be both green and profitable. Closer to home, another Chinese business giant lists in Hong Kong. Today, JD.com, a Chinese e-commerce giant, celebrates the largest listing this year on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange as $3.9 billion worth of its shares begin trading. The firm joins Alibaba, another online shopping colossus, and NetEase, a gaming firm to become the third large Chinese technology company to list shares in Hong Kong in parallel with those on the New York Stock Exchange. The offering buoys Hong Kong's status as a global financial centre, which is threatened by the Chinese government's tightening grip on the territory. It also gives JD.com a foothold in capital markets outside America, where lawmakers have passed legislation to limit Chinese companies' activity on domestic exchanges. In advance of the Hong Kong listing, shares were trading slightly above 226 Hong Kong dollars, 29 US dollars per share, in line with those already traded on the NYSE. When Hong Kong opened, they burst out of the gates at 239 Hong Kong dollars, up 5.7%. Monumental Problems – America's Confederate Statues For 130 years, a vast bronze statue of Robert E. Lee, the Confederacy's top general, has stood in Richmond, Virginia, the secessionist capital during the Civil War. It is one of 700-odd such monuments in America, many of which were erected during the Jim Crow era to buttress racist laws. As protests sparked by the killing of George Floyd have widened to target Confederate statues, the governor of Virginia has promised he will remove it. Opposition to this plan is a reminder of the abiding allure such symbols have for a minority of Americans. Today, an injunction preventing the state from removing the statue expires. Meanwhile, some residents of Monument Avenue, the pretty street on which the monument stands, have sued, claiming its loss will reduce property values. While the legal battle plays out, the effect of the protesters' graffiti around its stone base, Black Lives Matter, Down With Hate, is as powerful as an empty plinth. 
More help needed, fiscal policy at the Bank of England. Although £200 billion, £250 billion may be worth 9% or so of Britain's pre-crisis GDP, it doesn't last long nowadays. Back in March, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee cut interest rates to a record low of 0.1% and voted to expand its quantitative easing, i.e. bond buying programme by that sum to support the economy. But with purchases of government debt running at about £14 billion per week, that ammunition is due to run out by early July. So when it meets today, the MPC is likely to expand its purchases by another £100 billion or even £150 billion. Despite soaring borrowing, gilt yields have tumbled to historic lows as the bank's actions have helped the markets to absorb record issuance. Monetary policy is in essence supporting the Treasury's expansive fiscal policy and looks set to continue. With inflation at just 0.5% in May, the bank believes it has plenty of scope to ease policy further. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jürgen Habermas, who was born on this day in 1929. Responsibility to take over one's own biography means to get clear about who one wants to be. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.